0: She's April. And she's Molly. And we are... The Book Besties.
1: He's kind of a Richard Noggin. There's a woman in there who is purchasing beer. Like, it's a Friday night and that girl is done. Stop intervening in my life. You don't
0: want me in your life, don't get in my life. Like...
1: How exactly does one miss that there are topless mermaids on your mug?
0: This book is not about boobs. Sorry, gang. If you stand for nothing, what will you fall for? Rashad is absent again today.
1: Hi. Hey, you. How's How, it going? Oh, it's been a week. How about you? Same. Same. Molly, what? What? What is going on with your mug? <laughs> um. <laughs> so, okay. So first and foremost, that was a gift from
0: the Edmondsons before they left. This was uh-huh. a mug in their house, and um, it's one of Court's favorites. So I took it over. Um, I didn't realize that they were topless till I already got squared away in here, and so I just um, Molly, you could have just gotten another mug. Like, no, I'm squared away. I am put. I'm in my
1: room. I'm away from the tiny humans. <laughs> I, I'm not going back out there. You can. How exactly does one? How exactly does one miss that there are topless mermaids on your mug? Like, how do you, how do you, how? I was not paying attention. I wasn't paying attention this morning. I was caffeine deprived, obviously. Obviously. Well, good morning, besties. It is early. (laughs) I just want to point out that it isn't
0: early at all, (laughs) it is early in Molly time. (laughs) Oh man! I mean, um, I know that I'm an
1: hour ahead of you, but it's not early.
0: <laughs> I, you forget we homeschool now. We uh, run on a different life schedule. Like,
1: well, yeah. Are you? Are your girls doing school? Like, did you start back up for fall? Oh, or so we started last year late. Uh-huh. So we
0: started like because we pulled them around October. Uh-huh. So we started homeschooling in November. So we are. We just finished this past year, so we're oh, giving right. them
1: all of September off, and then we're going to
0: start October 1.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good idea. My my kids actually had open house this week. I, I also had open house for my school where I teach, um, where I serve as the librarian. Uh, but yeah, my kids had open house this week, and I have some really cool news. Um, so, James... Uh, My oldest, who is a third grader this year, got moved classes. And we were like, why is he moving classes? Like, what the heck? Because he's cool. Well, it turned out that it's definitely because he's cool. Um, They have a new gifted math program. So it's specifically targeting math and not just like all gifted skills, but like specifically math. And so he got moved classrooms so that he could be pulled out for the gifted math program that's amazing. Good job, James. I know. And then um, Sam, um, in o- August, October, good gracious, April, in <laughs> August, before we left for vacation, Sam had like a kindergarten readiness assessment. And they didn't uh-huh. do that like when James was going into kindergarten. So I was kind of like, why are they doing this? I wondered if they were going to like sort of divide the kids by ability. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what they did. And so J- Sam is actually in the highest group of kindergartners. That's so everyone in his class is like already over a lot of hurdles that when you enter kindergarten and they like, they know at least 17 letters and letter sounds and like they can write their name and like things that like, if you went to preschool, you may know them. I mean, not everybody because really kids do right. these things in their own time. Um, but he's in that group so that they can start teaching the kids at the level where they're at instead of trying Mm -hmm. to like just teach to the middle, which I think is a great idea. It is. And it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone in his class is going to be labeled gifted later, or even that they're going to finish this year being ahead of everybody else, but they don't have a jumping point, right? They don't have to start teaching to the middle. They can start teaching at the level where they are. And um, I'm excited. Plus I absolutely love his teacher. um, So I'm excited about that. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, let's see here. Um, got my MRI results
0: back. Okay, and I'm gonna have to have a sp- second spinal surgery.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: Uh,
1: so when you have to have that. Uh, maybe end of the month. We'll see. Um, like this month, like September. Yeah, this September. Month. Oh wow. Um,
0: we go. It's the third for those. <clears throat> not paying attention to our recording schedule because why would you guys um they don't need to do our recording <laughs> schedule
1: we we record when we have time you just listen or, when we drop it <laughs>
0: um i have a appointment to meet the new neuro guy new neurosurgeon um next week
1: and, and this they guy like, didn't
0: do your surgery the last time he's a new guy completely. um yeah the guy that did it last time we liked him he's mm-hmm. kind of a richer noggin and his but his staff is like I don't know
1: what that means, dickhead. Oh. Right. Richard
0: Nugget, dickhead. <laughs> um, he's oh cocky God. because he knows what he's like. The the old surgeon is really cocky because he, he knows what he's doing and he's good mm-hmm. at what he does. Yeah. But he kind of runs his office like um a middle school free gym, mm-hmm. like. The, the, if whatever your job is you do like you don't check in anybody else and his staff is just not awesome and he runs his schedule week by week a neurosurgeon runs his schedule week by week and when we called to get in with him they're like uh this is literally their words uh we don't know his schedule next week he may or may not be in office we'll call you What? I literally have a piece of the cartilage from my spine floating around and pushing on my nerves. Uh, Can we? I can't play.
1: Gross. Right. (laughs) And painful. Yeah. We've already established that I don't do well with medical things. (laughs) So, like,
0: no. So, we called another neuro office that was suggested to us by my chiropractor, Mm -hmm. and we're getting, and she's like, yeah, next week, no big. And, like, I'm explaining my history. And she goes, you're a baby. How can you have a second spinal surgery before 40? And I was like, bro, I don't know. Like you I don't know, me. but here we are. So <laughs> like,
1: can you place me open or not? <laughs> exactly. Yay, Molly. Oh my gosh, Molly, that sounds <laughs> awful. Well, the good it's news like is, I mean, the good news is that for all of our besties who are listening every week and following, we're ahead in our filming so right there might not be a disruption but maybe worst case scenario i'll be recording from my bed it's fine oh my gosh it'll be adorable (laughs) last year when i had my kidney surgery um i had two kidney surgeries last year Uh in august um i was doing zoom meetings from my bed (laughs) because i was allowed to work from home but i still had to fucking work (laughs) (laughs) health concerns be damned. (laughs) So I would just like, I I bought myself like a little like table to hold my laptop. And I basically just laid down. I I had like total like going on. I was like, I don't care. We're lucky I'm here. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. All right, so, so we should probably get into our uh, book this week. It's a heavy book. Yeah. So reminder to besties who are listening, which by the way, super proud of our following we are gathering here, Molly. Right. We have. I am. We have a lot of people following us now. This is exciting. Right. right. Um. I so dig we it. we are talking about banned books right now. So we talked about To Kill a Mockingbird was our first banned book. Um, and then we talked about looking for Alaska and um, drama. And during that episode, we talked more about how books become banned. And this right. week we are talking about this book, All American Boys by Jason Reynolds and Brent, Brendan Keeley. All American Boys. And as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, this is a winner of the Walter, which is the Walter Dean Myers Award uh, for Outstanding Children's Literature. And Walter Dean Myers, for those of you guys who don't know, a uh, African-American uh, children's writer um, and very prolific in the children's world. And if you haven't read a, a Walter Dean Myers, pick one up. They're fantastic. It also won the Coretta Scott King Award. Um, yeah, it's an on- impressive. Uh, yeah, too. which is amazing. Like, that's a part of American Libraries Association and um, the Coretta Scott King Foundation. And just a really cool that this book won that. So mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about this week. And Molly's right. Absolutely, this is a heavy one. Um, it is when we were I think reading it, it. It's important. It's an important read for sure. I was reading this one on vacation, which was not. It's not a vacation read, guys. Don't no, read this at the beach. Not. This is this is not a vacation. You're read. You're gonna cry. You're um, gonna be uncomfortable. It, it, yeah. No, and you're supposed to be uncomfortable. That's the whole point of this right. book. It's oh, supposed 100%, to be uncomfortable. One hundred percent. But definitely, if you're going to the beach, pick up Red, White, and Royal Blue or something. Don't don't read this one. <laughs> right. Read this book. Just not right. at the beach. Jasmine um,
0: Gillians, Any of her books are great for
1: the beach, but oh, yeah, the selection also a good choice. Twilight for crying out loud, but not this one. But this one definitely read it. Just just know it's heavy. Um, so I was texting Molly while I was at the beach, and I was like. Um this is going to be a hard episode to talk about because right. the content of this book is just rough. So I'm going to give a a summary like we do at the top of the episodes. Um this book is newer than some of the other books we've covered on the pod. Um I wouldn't say that it's Totally new. I think it came out in 2015. Um, The library where I borrowed it from did not acquire it till 2017. And I'm super sad to see that I am the only the second person to ever check this book out. Which bums me out hard and makes me want to, like, put it on a prominent display in the library. But I don't think they'll let me do that because I'm not a librarian there.
0: (laughs) It took me. I got the audiobook on Libby Mm -hmm. from Art Houston. And it took me about four weeks to get it. So, yeah. the audiobook is doing well here, which is good. I don't know how it's doing. I got. A, I haven't even tried to get it in my library. I should go see if there's, like, a hold on it or something.
1: But yeah, maybe try to get the English version and not the Spanish version.
0: <laughs> I, once, I did it
1: once. You didn't even go back inside. You were still in the parking lot. That is the part that blows me away. You were still there. Like, if you don't know what we're talking about, besties, go listen to Fangirl. Oh man, that was a great—that was a great book. Okay, all right. So, what this book is about? So, this book is to- told from alternating point point of views. Jason Reynolds wrote half the chapters, and Brendan Keeley wrote the other chapters. And our two main characters in this book are Rashad, who is an African American boy um, teenager. He's right sixteen or seventeen. Um, and then, uh, Quinn, who is also in Rashad's grade at school and they go to the same school and, um, Quinn is, uh, on the basketball team with a lot of Rashad's friends, but Quinn is white. And this is important to the context of the story because we get alternating point of views of the same event. Um, and, uh, it is important that it's a perspective of one person of color and Mm -hmm. one person who is white. So basically what happened in this story, Rashad is uh, at a convenience store. He's looking for chips. He has plans to meet up with his brother to get money and then to go to a party because it's Friday night and everybody's partying.
0: Rashad. And specific
1: party. They're all going to one party specifically. Yeah, they're all going to the same party. So um, <clears throat> Rashad is a part of the junior ROTC program at his school. Um, his dad, uh, is a former, uh, military, um, member. I cannot remember. And police officer. And, As and a police officer. officer. I can't remember what, uh, branch he was in. Maybe army. army. Um, I think it was army or Marine Corps. Yeah. Like. So he's former military and also a former police officer. And he's raising Rashad with the notion that I'm going to quote this. Um, where'd it go? Um, there's no better opportunity for a black boy in this country than to join the army. That is a direct quote from Rashad's father. Okay, so That's Rashad is,
0: generation.
1: <laughs> Rashad is at the in the convenience store. Um, when he walks in the convenience store, he notices there's a uniformed officer in the convenience store. He kind of thinks, okay, sure, because this convenience store has frequently been um, subjected to. Theft um, and yeah. robbery. Um, there is a woman in there who is purchasing beer, like it's a Friday night, and that girl is done. Um, same, so, girl, same. So she's getting it's beer, a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> and he's getting chips. And um, he puts his bag down, his his backpack down. Stuffle, yeah, so, yeah. So he could grab his cell phone out of it. And when he does that, the woman in the store trips over him. When the woman trips over him, the officer believes that Rashad is stealing the chips, that he is trying to put those in his bag, which is not what he was doing. No. He believes that the that Rashad is trying to steal and that he also harmed this woman. He grabs Rashad, throws him out the door, like literally out the door. Yeah. Through he's the very door. Violent. He's very violent. Slams him on the ground, cuffs him, and continues to beat him. And kick him, broke his nose, broke his nose. He is he has internal he's got bleeding. Broken, broken ribs, internal bleeding. He is messed up really bad. So we get the story from Rashad's perspective of what happened to him, but we get Quinn's perspective as well. And here's why we get Quinn's. Quinn is not the police officer, however, he is the best friend of the police officer's younger brother. Additionally, Quinn's father died in Iraq. No, nope, because Afghanistan. He was Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Um, he died in Afghanistan, and um our police officer, whose name is Paul. No, is that his name? Yeah, I think it's Paul. Uh or is that the brother? Uh yes. No, it is Paul. It's Paul. Yeah. I was trying to remember if it was the brother or if it was the officer. So um Paul is the police officer. He um pretty much became the mentor father figure for Quinn. So Quinn is witnessing this violent act, this event of police brutality. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically pretends like he isn't there. He runs away right. from it. He doesn't want to admit that he was there. Obviously, he's, he's as what happens in these, right. Obviously is what happens in these sort of situations. Somebody was there filming and the film goes viral And now the school is basically divided into sides between who believes that Paul was right and doing the right thing. And he was just doing his job as an officer and who believes that Rashad is being targeted as a young black youth who was sagging his pants. And as uh, Rashad's dad always said, if you look like a thug, you're going to be accused of being a thug. And so that's the story. Um, So, Not a fun thing to read. Um, Definitely important. Agreed. Um, So did you have anything to add to the summary or you want to jump into my questions for you? Um, I think it's a
0: good summary. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm trying to look at my notes. So before we dive into conversation, I want to say Mm -hmm. that the reason this is uncomfortable for us Mm -hmm. is white privilege. And I'm going to. I'll say that I am a white female who never grew up with this struggle, and that's the reason this is uncomfortable for us. And um, I think that is why this book probably is banned because people uh, of the 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 white color are uncomfortable by that, and two, it, you know, it it highlights what's really going on, and people aren't ready to have that conversation.
1: Yeah, and I do want to also point out when we're discussing this, just like Molly said, we don't come from the same perspective as people of color who – um, are experiencing this in their daily lives. And I feel like this book, even though it was written in 2015, is still timely. Very um, relevant. We talked about yes. that with To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, it's still timely because look at what just happened last year with George Floyd. Like, this yeah. is still happening. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, when Rashad is being beaten, the only thing he keeps thinking is, please don't kill me. Right. So we are not coming from that perspective. However, we are going to talk about this because it's an important book. And I do think it's important. And I said this when we were talking about mirrors of kids seeing themselves in books in libraries. Um, I think it's important that we read books that make us uncomfortable so we can talk about that uncomfortability. Um, And I think that books are really great gateway to our country being more unified when it comes to relations with people of different colors. And mm-hmm. races. Um, I didn't mention why this was book was banned, and I do want to say that um, in 2020, it was in the third uh, the third most banned book on the American Libraries Association list of commonly challenged and banned books um, in the United States. Uh, the book was banned, challenged, and or restricted for profanity, use, drug use, and alcoholism, um, and because it was thought to promote anti police views it contained oh. diverse topics and it can be too much of a sensitive matter right now and that is a direct quote so we're talking about in 2020 when the incident with george floyd happened this book was challenged because right now this isn't the best book for kids to read false false <laughs> i'm with you oh my gosh <laughs> my gosh false
0: okay let's dive into questions and right. we can have a whole conversation
1: yeah so uh let's talk about uh the first two chapters of this book so rashad is beaten in chapter one which was right. shocking to me hit right um, in the face with what yeah. happened yeah yeah how did you feel about the decision to jump right into the beating instead of leading up to it do you feel like we knew rashad enough to believe his story at yes that point? yeah i
0: feel like um the writing gave us a good idea and a good scope of who Rashad was.
1: Mm-hmm. Him
0: talking about who he was at school, who he was at home. He, mm-hmm. you know, I I knew by, before he was even assaulted that he liked to draw, mm-hmm. that he was really good at art, that he in, was in the ROTC. He had mm-hmm. very specific feelings about how his parents run their, like, I feel like I knew who, who he was as a kid. Yeah, I I may not know his social security number and like his favorite color, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I knew who he was as a character. Yeah. By that point.
1: I also think like, this is the amount of information that you get about a kid when, when something like this happens, we don't, we, we know more about Rashad than we know of the other people who have been victims of police brutality. And I want to point out when Quinn starts telling his story, he's going to the same store, where Rashad is and he right. mentions that he is one of the people that has stolen from that store.
0: Right. But because he's white He got it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um so I actually like the formatting of this how we went day by day instead of mm-hmm. chapter numbers. I yes. like that. Yes. Oh that was um, cool. It was like a little over a week that this happened, right? Right. right. And I and I feel like it was important because we're and it, it's broken down from both point of views mm-hmm. and and you can see the timeline, right? Right. And you can yeah. see this running simultaneously. You can see how both boys days are going. Right. Based- I think the formatting really helps that.
1: Yeah. And I think it's a really great dichotomy of what like Rashad's timeline is him in a hospital bed. Yep. Most of what happens in this story happens around Rashad other than the incident that happens to Rashad. Yeah. Um, And I, I think that's pretty uh comparable to what happens in these sort of mm-hmm. situations um either the person is dead and then they can't speak for themselves anymore right or they're hospitalized or you know whatever we don't hear of police brutality ending with everyone was fine like that's right. not it has, how it because ends because it's not because it's right. not because there's always going to be opposition on right. both sides i do think it was an interesting choice to be so aggressive and in your face and have that brutality happened in the first chapter um because i mean it's a great choice it was so unexpected and so smart i just thought well we'll get to know rashad a little bit better um and i i mean i wanted to know him better but i I feel like i still believed him like i believed what he said
0: right right i feel like the point of that though was -hmm. because that's how like you said that's how we get the information right we don't Like, randomly start learning about a teenage boy on the news and then learn later he's been assaulted or he's been shot or whatever. Right. It's, you know, 17-year-old African-American male shot today by a police officer in Chicago because of X, Y, like... Right. And they go into it from there. And then we learn more information about them. And I think that's what they were trying to show us.
1: Right, right. And I uh, Rashad's brother talks about how they need to choose a picture to be released to the media. Yeah. And he Spoonie, wants one. Yeah. yeah, Spoonie, his brother Spoonie. And he wants Rashad to be in the ROTC uniform, junior ROTC uniform for that Because picture. they're going to be
0: showing ones of the cop in his uniform. Exactly, exactly. Spoonie is
1: so because clever. Because whenever they choose pictures of these uh, people, these victims of police brutality, they are showing them in a negative light. They always well, like well, taking from Instagram. They people off. They're doing right. drugs. Like it's all very impo- in, inappropriate, um, and it makes it look like, well, of course, that's why they shot him. And which is not—it's not accurate. <laughs> and Spoonie was smart. He Spoonie got ahead of this. Mm-hmm. He.
0: Was proactive, and it really, I know it upset his parents, Mm -hmm. but Spoonie saw, he's seen what has happened in his community. Yeah. And he was like, this is not going to happen to my little brother. Right. And he got proactive. His girlfriend's, what, pre-law, and she jumped in, and, like, Mm -hmm. they, like-
1: amazing. Yes. And there's an interesting oh. connection with her and Quinn there because her younger brother is best friends with Rashad, but plays yeah. basketball with Quinn. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of connectivity going on here. Because it seems like it's a small school, right? Yeah, it's, so... It feels like it's a small community, definitely. Yeah. I don't know right. that it is, but it feels like that.
0: Right. So. um, um
1: yeah. yeah. Do you think like telling this book from two different point of views of like, one being a uh, a person of color and one being a white person made it more accessible to white people? Like I mean think I I wouldn't say accessible, but I think it
0: makes it easier an uh, easier pill to swallow. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I-, I I feel like if I'm uncomfortable because this has never happened to me and mm-hmm. this is upsetting to me. Mm-hmm. And it hurts my heart that this is happening to a child. Right. But I can't put my self in Rashad's shoes. But right. I sure as heck can put myself in Quinn's shoes because right. I've seen brutality. Right. I, I, I've seen violence. I've seen cops arrest people and be aggressive. Mm-hmm. But I've never been in those shoes. So giving us the point of view of someone that has... It's a witness. Right. It's a witness but mm-hmm. also our version of this conversation it's mm-hmm. not an us versus them thing but right. like our point of view of being on the other side of the looking glass right mm-hmm. and i think it was important i yeah. think i think writing rashad's story if we had to omit one of the voices mm-hmm. it would be quinn's though oh, i yeah, for think sure. keeping rashad's voice is more important than this book but right. Quinn's voice is important. So, well, we,
1: when we get Quinn's voice, we're getting to know more of what's happening in the community and in the school yeah. because Rashad's still in the hospital. But, um, I'm seeing change in him, yes, right? yes. And that's what I was going to say. I, I was sort of surprised at the decision to choose somebody who was an outsider of this, like, this is a witness to it, but it's not somebody who was involved in the incident. Um, it isn't the police officer, for example. I thought that maybe you know, including his point of view. But the truth is that what's going on with Paul, um, he's fighting for his job. And so he's lying a lot in this. And I think it's actually more impactful that Quinn comes from being somebody that's like, well, Paul's a good guy. He's, he would never do this. I want to use this quote. He's not the KKK racist. He's not KKK racist that um, doesn't and, make him less racist, man. Right, but that doesn't, uh, I don't think most, this is a quote from one of the young women in the story. I don't think most people think they're racist, but every time something like this happens, you could, like you said, say, quote unquote, not my problem. You could say, quote unquote, it's a one-time thing. Every time it happens. It happens. And that's yeah. why I think Quinn's perspective was important in this story because he's the one that brings about the change. Rashad knows what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Well, Quinn, and joining, Quinn joining the movement of supporting right. Rashad. You're seeing the moral
0: dilemma right. of a white teenage boy in right. this situation. Right. And you are seeing, he could have chose to stay on Paulie's side, right? Well, he could have, he could absolutely.
1: Have, when he that he got been to the to that, easy choice.
0: At, first and foremost, that was ballsy them holding the picnic the next day.
1: Right. And that quote is actually from uh, Paul's cousin. Yeah. So um I can't f- remember her, n- her name off the top of my head i can't either but um, but, um, but, but she helps organize the uh the yeah the
0: protest for him but it he could have the day of the picnic Quinn could have walked up, went right to Paul and his mm-hmm. best friend, supported him, mm-hmm. and see, and kept feeding the he could have went to school Monday, right. feeding the party line to everybody but he never instead,
1: had to admit that he was even there he's not but, on the film.
0: No, he doesn't but have to even. Admit he it. had this sense of uncomfortableness seeing mm-hmm. Paul on right. that grill. And he instantly right. knew if I feel this shitty about this, right. this is not right. Right. And that's where that we, change and, starts.
1: And we do see a lot of that internal conflict, especially with the interactions with the players on the basketball team, because half of the players on the basketball team are friends with Rashad and the other half right. are f- friends with him. And Quinn. how
0: dare that coach just say, Let's not talk about this. Let's just leave this alone. Especially when he has so many kids of color on his team. Like,
1: Listen, I understand the want to keep the peace and make everybody happy. But this goes back to what we talked about when we talked about To Kill a Mockingbird. If you are giving the kids a safe space to have those conversations and you are fostering that discussion and facilitating it appropriately, that's how we're going to bring about change in this world. Because it's not going to be from old people. That yep. older generation, like our parents and our grandparents, they've already figured out what they think about things. Yep. It's our generation and the, the the Gen Zers and our kids' generations that what did we say they're alphas? They're Alpha. the ones that are going to be bringing about the change because this is the generation of using social media to be impactful and using our voice to create mm-hmm. um, social protests that that uh, that are very reminiscent of what happened during the civil rights movement. Like Mm -hmm. we are having those protests again now. Um, And again, why are we still having to do this? Why are we still having to do this? It's absolutely absurd. Agreed. Um, So I want to talk about, I want to talk about Rashad's dad um, because there's a very surprising element to the story. Um, So we know that he's a army soldier and he's a former officer um, and he keeps saying the whole, there's no better opportunity for a black boy in this country than to join the army. But we find out a little secret about him. Right. At the end. Yeah. We find out that the reason that his father left the police force is because he assaulted a black teenager, shot a black shot teenager. Him. Yeah. Who was actually the victim of a crime oh, and he paralyzed him. He froze again. Can you hear me now? Yep. I got you. Tom, you're going to have to fix that again. So we find out that he shot a young black teenager who was the victim of a crime and he paralyzed him. Yeah. So how did that change your perspective of what, of his dad at that point? It actually made me dislike him more. Mm -hmm. Like I already
0: disliked his dad because of how he was treating Rashad. He is i hate victim blaming in general and he is automatically telling his kids not to make themselves like yeah stand out or or dress like their peers or anything Mm -hmm. and when this happens to rashad he instantly blames him right he asks him what he did wrong
1: right this
0: a grown man with a weapon. Uh, mm-hmm. physically assaulted his son for no mm-hmm. reason other no than tying reason.
1: his shoe. He was tying his fucking shoe. And and looking for a cell phone in a bag. He wasn't, he was not doing no. anything wrong. And, and he actually was tripped over. Like, that woman tripped right. over him. Right. He was assaulted mm-hmm. for
0: being black in a convenience store. That's exactly bottom what line. happened.
1: Exactly what and happened.
0: his father then, as soon as his father comes to the hospital, he asks him if he was actually stealing. He blames his son instantly and not knowing Paul, the police
1: officer, starts defending him. Right. And I think that's interesting that he chose to defend the police officer over Rashad, knowing that he had himself made the mistake.
0: I'm mad again, just thinking about it and reliving
1: that story again. I just. Yeah. I mean, he shot somebody who was being um, mugged. Like, yeah. He shot the victim. Um, And I feel like we talk about these things happening so often, um, unfortunately so often, where there's a mistaken identity, where someone is charged uh, with a crime because, well, he had a black hoodie on and he was an African-American and he was sagging his jeans. Okay, well, then that must be every every black person, right? Which is not. It's It's ridiculous. We need to be more (laughs) thorough in our descriptions. There are people that are... um, that have uh, given false testimony to put yeah. people in prison. Um, fall, test, eyewitness testimony is very unreliable anyway, because the way you- Especially in changes, trauma. Right. 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 Um, but I, I think hearing this about Rashad's dad, it really changes the game of the story. Like it really changes- um, How who Rashad his dad looks is. Like his father. Right. But it changes who he's trying to make his son be. Right. So, Um, so one of the things that, you know, he talks about, quote unquote, not dressing like a thug. And what he means by that is don't be wearing hoodies and wear it sagging your jeans. Which every teenager wears. Every teenager does. I mean, look at the movie Clueless from the 90s, talking about people sagging their jeans. And it wasn't just kids of color in that movie that were doing that. White kids were doing that too. Um, so since I work with teenagers, like I can tell you that this week, uh, we had a discussion about dress code policy because you know we're starting the school year so we're talking about dress code and it came up well what if somebody's sagging their pants well, the, the rule is they can't show their underwear. So if a kid, and I had students that did this in previous schools, if a student wears shorts under their, under their pants and uh-huh. then underwear under those, so they're wearing actual like athletic shorts, not yeah. boxers. Like, they, um, like basketball shorts. Exactly. And they're sagging their jeans. And what you are seeing is their basketball shorts. They are not violating dress code. They're not showing their underwear. But sagging your pants is a cultural thing. Right. And if we are targeting people because they sag pants and wear hoodies, we're targeting a large population. We're targeting about half of this country. I mean, let's be honest. Yes, yeah. And um, it's not just, I'm going to
0: go on a tie right here for a second. It's not just for dress code. It's not just mm-hmm. um, POCs. Mm-hmm. Women are targeted as well. Right. I've started following this TikToker. He's like 17. Mm-hmm. And he's in the Alphabet Mafia, mm-hmm. and he was has been for a week. He's been wearing the same thing his female girlfriends have been wearing to school, and he's not getting in trouble for and it. And he's not getting dress coded, and they mm-hmm. are. Yeah. and he's trying to show the
1: hypocrisy in it. Listen, and um, that that came up in our discussion as well. And I'm really impressed with my principal. He's he's new to our school this year, and I'm new to our school this year. And I have to say, I'm really impressed with him because he straight up said. I am not going to have a parent. I'm not going. He didn't say a parent. He said, I'm not going to uh, fault a girl. If the problem is the boys. Right. And well, like, and yes, yes.
0: yes! Okay. We make stress tr- codes about, Teenage girls wearing spaghetti straps yeah. because their boobs are out. And it's not because their boobs are out. It is because it makes the grown men uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And if you, as a grown if- adult, are sexualizing a teenager, it is your problem. It's your problem. Not the child. Right. And let's not, giving children body issues because you're uncomfortable
1: and and there's always girls who are you know more well endowed in the chest area i have difficulty finding clothes that button up properly that's not my fault i'm not trying to wear tight clothes
0: no i'm just busty i'm sorry i started having large i was a d by ninth grade that was not fun right God right. bless you, by the
1: way. Thank you. So, moving on. So, yeah. So, this I mean, book is not about boobs.
0: Sorry, right, gang. No,
1: but I want to just say that in the case where you are blaming them, well, they shouldn't have dressed like that. But you are making the argument that, well, if you are making that argument, then you are using that argument also for when people are raped, for example. Right. She she was Make asking for it. Me. Yeah, he was asking for it because he was dressed that way. That is not okay. Get... Not, um, that. So, not okay. Do not do that.
0: So okay i was in service we all know this this has been a thing mm-hmm. we have been told part of military sexual assault training like is we are told if we are to go out in town to take a fem- a male shipmate with us because mm-hmm. if something happens it's our own fault because we didn't go with a man <laughs> i wish i was oh, joking
1: oh my gosh that's pathetic I wish joking and then, I, and then, I wish I was
0: joking, and then
1: what bothers me about that even more is that most of the assaults that happen with the military are between yep. members, yep, and um not you being assaulted while you're nope. on in port nope, um, if you
0: see a male coworker alone in a room, don't go in that room. I've mm-hmm. seen that in there um. It's just, I'm sure, I'm hoping it has changed since I have exited the service, but I'm sure it hasn't changed that much.
1: I just feel like we need to stop trying to teach girls how to protect themselves from men and start teaching men. Men not to assault women? That'd be great. Not to assault women. That'd be fantastic. I'm really trying with my boys. We are working on raising men and not boys. and, And, And I also have white children, so... My perspective with having boys is different because there are so many cases in this country that kid, uh, I cannot think of his name, but he raped a woman and he basically got out in a few weeks. That Brock kid? Yeah, that Brock kid. And the the judge said, well, this will ruin his life. But someone else- who, No shit, Sherlock, he ruined well, her life! He ruined her life! Um, and then there was a, a, a college student who was a, black, a young black man who- had a similar charge, but was actually, I mean, it looked like he was probably innocent and he got the book thrown at him, like thrown at him. Actually, no, he was not accused of rape. He was like accused of stealing, like, I don't know, bags of chips or something. It was like something ridiculous, but like the dichotomy of those punishments was ridiculous. It is. Um, and, And, and it is. And I know that I am raising boys who are white and they're men. And so they come from a place of privilege Feminist and by proxy. I've been telling this to Matthew
0: Biggs since we got pregnant with yeah. Piper and we found it was a girl. I was like, your job now is to be a feminist by proxy. Yeah. Yeah. And I go, I'm not asking you to have all the rights of like ideals of feminists. Mm-hmm. I know feminism can be hardcore for some people, but right. your job is to be an example in the world because right. our girls are going to look at you and say, this is what men are. Right. How are you going to act towards fem- other females? Right.
1: How do and you I- talk about them? Unfortunately, we both have men in our lives, like, we have husbands who are good men in a storm, and they are good at instilling in their children values um, like that. Like, you're... Husband is great at doing that with the girls, and my He's husband is great at doing that with the boys, girl dad, so, which is yeah.
0: hilarious. Since Piper's the first girl in eight generations born into that family,
1: I think that's hilarious. I, I mean, I knew I was going to have boys because the, the Watkins family runs deep with boys. So that, I knew that is
0: one of five boys.
1: yeah tom's one of four tom's one of four boys so
0: okay back to all american boys
1: all right so not our boys i want to talk about the title all american boys so it comes up several times that quinn is an all-american boy um and then we talk and that his father was an all-american boy and then we talk about this title actually maybe refers more to rashad so what do you think of when you think of the term all-american boy
0: I think of the 1950s Boy Scout. Yeah.
1: I you think know. of the first
0: astronauts,
1: actually. Right.
0: <laughs> and, and obviously that image draws a white male, mm-hmm. right? Because clean cut. of... Clean cut. But if we're being honest, Rashad is having a more authentic American boy life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Rashad's story, sadly, is what is happening more frequently. Right. Not what's happening to Quinn. Not
1: mm-hmm.
0: what happens to, you know, boy uh Eagle Scout number 7. Mm-hmm. Like what is happening to Rashad right. is the American boy experience right now for POCs. Well, and it's unacceptable.
1: And I think that they they break down a lot of stereotypes in this book because when we think of um People who live in, for lack of a better term, the hood, as both Quinn and Rashad do, we typically think of people of color, not necessarily black, but we typically think of people of color. Um, And we typically think that they come from broken homes and that they are not educated. And the complete opposite is true of Rashad's family. Um, Whereas when we think of people who like Quinn's family... You know he's white and he's the quote unquote all American boy. His um, dad's dead. His like. dad's dead. Like they're not a broken family because of choice. Like his dad's dead, but right. um, his mom isn't well educated. She doesn't. have She a very leaves good them alone job. constantly. They're alone. He's basically raising his younger brother. Right. So that dichotomy is broke. That uh, that um, stereotype is broken down of what we actually yeah. think of, and I absolutely love that Rashad Spoony, his bro- Rashad's brother Spoony, being a being an educated man, uh, having a great job, and being and, and being engaged or dating uh, a future lawyer. Yeah. Um, like, I just think that there's just such a great breakdown of stereotypes in this book. It was smart. Um, but I will say, it's not my favorite book on this topic. It's okay. It's not my favorite. Um, so, like, I read The Hate You Give as well. Um Okay. And I really think we should cover that one in the pod. I didn't pick that one because I wanted to read a new book. So this book was actually new to mm-hmm. both of us, um, which we have not really done. Um, and so that's why I picked this one. But The Hate You Give, also a banned book. Um, fantastic. I've met the author. Like she, She's amazing. I love her so much. Um, but um, – Excuse me. Uh, that book is only told from one person's perspective. It's right. a, a, a a teenage girl who's a black girl who lives in the hood and goes to a private school. Well, she witnesses her friend uh, being murdered by a police officer because he mm-hmm. reaches for his hairbrush. And um, like, we definitely need to cover that one on the pod. But that one is my is my favorite of this like genre that I've yeah. read. And I think it's because you still get the dichotomy and you see her change. Like she witnesses this murder, but she goes to a school that's almost predominantly white. Like she's one of three kids in that school that's black. And the other one, one of them is her brother. Which is very common. Right, right. And I think that um, I, I liked the writing better in that one. Mm -hmm. I, I've read Jason Reynolds before and I do like Jason Reynolds. I don't know if it was Brendan Keely that was bothering me. I don't know. It just wasn't my favorite book of this genre. Is this, is this his first book though? This Mm -mm. feels like early writing. No, um, no, I don't think so. I could look that up. We could Google that we'll just and put that in the notes. In notes, but I don't think so. Um, Jason Reynolds, what he was kind of, what he's kind of best known for besides this book, um, is the Into the Spider, Spider-Verse, the Spider-Man. Cartoon. Oh, um, okay.
0: So yeah, this, well, that's why this reads different then. Yeah. This is a more serious topic. Right. The,
1: okay. So but mostly, in sense, mostly in that's what sense, he writes is fiction like this.
0: So, in a sense, this is his first novel. It's just his first novel in this kind of realm, right?
1: No, I if mean... he's, he's writing mo- Spider-Verse stuff... Well, most of what he writes is like All-American Boys. Comics? Oh, no, okay. It's like All-American Boys, but... okay. I don't think it's his first one. I would have to look it up. But just looking at, like, the author note on the back flap, no, it's definitely not. He was awarded the um, 2015 Coretta Scott King John Steptoe Award for New Talent for his debut novel, When I Was the Greatest. Okay. So this isn't the first. Even though this came out in 2015, he would have already won an award in 2015. So that means that his book had to be at least out for a year, probably two. Um, So not his first. Maybe it's just their. Um, I'm not sure they their, wrote well together. I, right. I think it's their. It's just their,
0: it's, the, it's just the writing styles that aren't matching up for us.
1: And I preferred the chapters that were about from for from Rashad's perspective. Like Same. I felt like Quinn was like whiny and I don't know. He got I feel I don't know Quinn. I don't know. I was hoping his chapters would be
0: over quickly. Yeah. Um, put, Quinn definitely has some PTSD. Like mm-hmm. in this book, you right. see that Saturday when he's at the pizza place and the cops mm-hmm. show up and he starts panicking. Right. Like, right. That boy needs therapy. He's obviously going to need therapy.
1: Right. Right. I mean, probably already needed therapy. He lost his dad. <laughs> right. Like, this just kicked it all off. And like he's, he's not in a good place. All right. So, uh, the next thing I want to talk about, um, the discussion on battle, battle Royal, which is the first chapter of the book, invisible man. Um, so this is a discussion that's happening in an English class, and the reason I want to talk oh, about Ms. this, Miss Tracy, is, yeah, Miss Tracy. The reason I want to talk about this is because of what we talked about with Tequila Mockingbird. Um, they they have a discussion that she's not allowed to talk about this with them anymore because it will cause up uphe- continuous upheaval of what is happening.
0: Right, Rashad um, is absent again today.
1: Right. Yes, that's exactly it. The quote is "Rashad is absent again today." It's been spray painted all around town. Um, People are starting. It's a hashtag on on Instagram. People are wearing it on shirts. Like Rashad is absent today is a is a big deal. Um, So I just want to say that the realization of um, this is why we need books like this. This is why we need to not ban books like this. Right, because you're hiding. You're hiding what is already happening in plain sight. Right.
0: They're seeing it. Mm -hmm. It's not like these kids aren't seeing it. And having a book like them, first and foremost, Miss Tracy crying felt Mm -hmm. like a very real moment. Right. I agree. It felt very real because she couldn't do anything, but it was very apparent those kids could. Right. And her tears, one, were because she's obviously heartbroken about Rashad. Right, but, and two, she's seeing that she is help raising and creating these children who are thoughtful and realize that they can change the world and all mm-hmm. these things, and it's just it's got to be overwhelming. I mean, I don't teach kids, but
1: the impact a teacher can have on on someone's life is astounding, and I don't yeah. just mean that in a positive way. There are teachers who are impacting kids negatively agreed um, I hope I'm I hope and pray I've never been one of those teachers and then I am never one of those teachers that impacts a yeah. kid negatively because like I as a teacher I believe we pour love and joy into our students we are mm-hmm. our job is to help them hear a positive message and uh to know that that there is worth in them, especially when a lot of them have negative voices in their own heads. Right. Um, And so I hope I'm never one of those, one of those teachers, but, um, we can have an impact. We can have an impact either way. Yes, and I get the idea that Rashad was respected at school by his teachers. He yeah. doesn't seem to have been a troublemaker. No, um, he seems to have been a good kid. We know he's an artist. He doesn't seem to get in trouble. He kind of follows whatever. His it come ROTC, to. He in ROTC. He like, yeah. I I do think it's a little. Uh, I think it's worth talking about his ROTC um, officer or teacher i'm not really sure what they call them his commanding officer i think yeah he sends him he sends him basically like their creed as junior rotc yeah um rashad's not sure what to do with that because he's not sure if he's accusing him of not being those things or if he's saying i see that you are these things
0: i i I think it's the latter i think he's saying i have your back i -hmm. understand we are here for you right because i think he knows rashad right right Right. Because what they're sophomores in high school,
1: or juniors. juniors? I think they're juniors or seniors. Because so he's been in there, recruiters, right? Coming. So,
0: so I mean, he obviously knows who Rashad is by this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's had him for several years. Yeah, I, I think it's just a comment on him saying, "I'm here for you."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We we know who you are, and I think that's like the general consensus at the school with Mm -hmm. most, you know, with most of the teachers is they're like, they're tired of seeing this happen to their kids, you know, because it is their kids too.
1: Right. And I have, I have had students who not victims of police brutality, but I have had students who have been victims of violence. Um, and I just want to say like when teachers talk about loving their students as if they're, they were own kids, it's, accurate. Like I definitely yeah, I love don't my own it. kids more. Like I'm not going to say that James and Sam are equal to my students, but I, I didn't have kids for a long time while I was teaching and they were my whole world. And when one of them is hurt or one of them is arrested or God forbid dies, which I've had that too,
0: oh, it gosh. breaks
1: you. It breaks right. you because it hurt, they it's are...
0: got to take a chunk out of your heart. Yeah, It has to.
1: It does. It does. Um, so, Sorry,
0: back to the question, which was, I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs>
1: uh, what you thought about um, the discussion with Miss Tracy's class in Battle Royal. I don't even know I if I, I actually I asked it as a question. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I mean, I think I covered that.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, what else? Um, They end up having a protest. Right police are gearing up like if this is going to be a riot which is I thought not the their end of attention. this book was beautiful and it's so too um, I do think that sometimes protests get out of hand and do become riots and so I don't really totally fault the police for being prepared for that but I do fault them for um, for being overreacting. They're they're aggressively prepared. Like you don't right. need to drive tanks down the, down the street down the street. Like, but I think
0: ridiculous. it was a scare tactic. It was a scare tactic. Yeah. They were trying to deter because it was mostly teenagers, right? Right, right? It is the teens and the college kids of town getting together and having this peaceful protest. And they were trying to scare these kids out of making the statement, right. which is Awful, because the right to gather and protest is part of our constitutional rights. It's the first of our constitutional rights. So, I mean, I thought this, I wrote, the end of this book is beautiful. The two boys connecting is in the final moments, but this isn't always how real life works. Mm -hmm. I'm glad they ended it on a happier note. Yeah. But, because... You know, stories do need a happy ending, but sadly, that is not right. how things like this really go down in real life.
1: Right? We don't. We don't get to the point where Paul is a facing is facing you know a trial, um, right. which a lot of times what's happening in these cases is um, there's a, a an incredible level of protection for our police officers that. Um, which they need it i'm not right. saying that they don't there are great police officers who are accused of things that they did not do and so having these right. protections in place when but there are also but there are trash also can there,
0: there are, are trash bad can bad. officers right. that are just <clears throat> abusing the badge
1: right i want to talk about uh mrs ehrlich who's their uh trigonometry teacher okay uh, quinn's trigonometry teacher um She writes some things on the board and I love her quote after. So I want to read the things she writes on the board In 2012 in the United Kingdom, the number, number of people, regardless of race shot and killed by police officers one and 2013 in the United Kingdom, the number of times police officers fired guns in the line of duty, the number slash the number of people fatally shot three, three times they fired zero people were shot fatally. In the United States, in the seven year period ending in 2012, a white police officer killed a black person nearly two times a week. And this is her quote I'm not much of a talker, you know that, but I know numbers. The numbers don't lie, kids. The numbers always tell a story. That is, I have chills reading it because it's so truthful. It is so so honest. If you are in this country, we do have fans that are not in this country, but if we are, if you are in this country, if you are in the United States, and you do not see how the system is stacked against people of color, yeah. if you do not see systemic racism, if you do not see how people of color are targeted more often than white people, you're part of the problem. You are part of the problem. Part of you the need, problem. You need to read books like this one. And get your house in order.
0: Word. Word.
1: Um, did you have anything that you uh, wanted to talk about with this book? Um, been? I want to
0: talk about Rashad's nurse. Okay. I love um, her. I great. loved her. Uh, she was honest about how uncomfortable she was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which most people in that situation wouldn't.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Right.
0: Um, she was very truthful with Rashad about... How she doesn't know how to handle this situation. Mm -hmm. Right? She's seen the news. She tried being quiet. And then Rashad had that meltdown with the remote. And, like, she's like, okay. Right. Let's let's do something else. And she got him to draw. And, you know, and she pulled him out of. She asked him why they didn't have faces. Right. And this whole making them faceless was Mm -hmm. just. It was a good metaphor for what's going on in the world, right? Like, right. and then when he put his face on it and left it for her,
1: it was it definitely was a, a statement.
0: It was a statement, right? Showing she had an impact, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Showing she was an ally in the situa- in that right. time, right? And, but also helping him realize who he was.
1: Yeah, and I mean, she switches shifts so that she's with him the entire time he's in the hospital. He's in the hospital for like a week. Yeah, um, she didn't have to do that. No, she, she didn't sure did because uh, she saw what care he needed and she knew she could provide it. Right, right. Uh, and there are other people that come to his aid um, at the end of the story. Um, the um,
0: the woman, the, the elderly woman, who, woman that works in the gift shop.
1: Yes, she talks to him about how she
0: has a beautiful speech about. Right. Um,
1: Her brother was at Selma,
0: right, and that she didn't go, and she didn't and she go. just
1: lives with regret,
0: right, right, and um, and then we also
1: have the woman that falls over Rashad. Um, she agrees to testify right. on his behalf, right? She was there, and something that kept playing in my mind the entire time that I was reading this book was why is nobody looking for the footage of the camera inside the store did they because ever talk if, about
0: that no and my assumption is this is just me filling with my brain my assumption is, is like most convenience stores in those kinds of areas where there's low income they have cameras but they don't work they don't work or, yeah. or they're not recording or they're not plugged in they're just there as a threat right right
1: I mean, we and, had that at the library where I worked. It, it, we had non-working cam- cameras for half of my career there. <laughs> so, it's yeah, just a it's threat. It's meant to be a threat, yeah. I just was surprised that no one even, like, brought that up. Because if you would have looked at that tape, I mean, it wouldn't have changed what Paul did to Rashad. No. But it no. would have, like, put everybody on Rashad's side because it was very right. obvious that he didn't do anything wrong. Right. Um, I do want to mm-hmm. say that the
0: audiobook is very good.
1: Okay. Um,
0: it was they, two they two, dual uh, narrators. Okay. Um, Guy Lockhart and Keith Nobs. Mm-hmm. Nobs. N-O-B-B-S. Nobs. Nobs. I'm sorry, dude. Um, um, I'll put their IMDB pages in okay. uh, the notes, but they were really okay. good. And then uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see the New York Times article I put in my notes, but that was, I found oh, no, that really interesting. Um, I'll put that in there, too. It has a interesting take on this, and this article's from 2015. So okay. when the book came out, when the book came out, and, and it's still, I feel like it's still relevant, the part to the part of the conversation.
1: Yeah, um, uh, and I'll definitely, I'll definitely read that too, and we'll we'll put it linked below. Um, I did want to say I love how they did the quote unquote die in at the end of the yeah. protest. Yeah, and um, Spoonie's girlfriend reads the list of people that have her name is what is her name? Barry. She's a list of people who have died as a result of police brutality and the audience repeats is absent today today. Yeah. So um and and it's people's names that you would know, people. Um yeah. it's it's people that you've heard about um this happening to Tamir oh. Rice is on here for example. Aina um,
0: Jones, Freddie Gray, right. Michael Brown Eric Gardner, and they are.
1: They are will be absent. That we've heard of yeah, and, and they will be absent, absent. Again today. They will. Yeah, and, and, we, um, and unfortunately, we now have more names we can add to that list. Yep, um, Six for years sure. Later,
0: mm-hmm. and we will keep having that. And honestly, I think that's the point of this hashtag. Um, if you go to Twitter, the hashtag Rashad is absent again today is used by it kids. Is.
1: Oh, wow. That's amazing.
0: Um, But I think other than highlighting police brutality and the life of a POC, I think books like this are helping our kids become political in Mm -hmm. a healthy way. Right. Learning that you can protest. Learning you're allowed to have an opinion, even as a teenager, because... I was told to sit down and shut up when I saw the news back then.
1: Well, and
0: and, I, and I think, even when I had opinions.
1: And I think on both sides of the aisle, we have adults who don't want kids to realize that they have a voice, and that is very unfortunate. Um, and yes. speaking from the right side of the aisle where I sit, I know we've talked about this before that we're on opposite sides of the aisle where I sit. If you are a Republican and you are saying we don't want kids to read books like this because we don't want them to, you know, you're protest, muting them. You need them to want to protest. Yeah. Like this is a, this is not okay to allow this to still continue to happen. And you want future leaders of your party on both sides of the aisle to be people who stand for something. Right. Like right. Burr, if you stand for nothing, what will you what fall will you for? Stand for? Right. Right. Uh, So, I I just watched Hamilton again, so we got to throw that in there. (laughs) I mean, it's true, though. Like,
0: when the election was going on,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. we watched uh, all the debates with the kids. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we watched... Sorry, I have something in my eye. We watched the commentary um, from when it was live from the channel we were watching it on. But then... We went later to YouTube and watched other channels' commentary. So the girls saw the different variations of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And then we went to NPR, where there's always a, like, median, for the most part... I do not agree with that. I do not agree with that.
1: NPR is left-leaning.
0: For the most part, yes. But there are...
1: Yeah. I would say say the most neutral you could get is the BBC, because they're not involved in our politics. But... My kids formed
0: an opinion based off of the way the humans were talking, not the people behind the microphones. Right. They were ju- making judgments, their own personal judgments, based off of the people behind the podium, not the people recording. And,
1: and, and shouldn't that be our goal for our children? Right,
0: right. Shouldn't that be our to goal? let them form an opinion. Right. Let them form an opinion. Now, it doesn't have to be your opinion.
1: I, I, I personally grew up in a family that of Democrats. And when I went to register to vote and my grandmother, I think she was joking. So my grandmother told me that she would disown me if I registered as a Republican, because I come from a family of blue collar workers, which and union workers, which means that I have to be a Democrat. And I told her, I love you, grandma. And I hope you'll still love me, which of course she did. I was her favorite person. Like, of course I was, she was my best friend, but I said, you know, I believe in smaller government and that's really what it comes down to for me. I believe in smaller government and I've said this before I'm registered as a Republican, but I'm more of a libertarian because I truly believe do what you want and just leave me out of it. Like leave the government right. out of it. Leave me out of it. I don't care. Word. Do what you want. Word. Just
0: stop intervening in my life. Right. Right. You stop intervening in my life. You don't want me in your life. Don't get in my life. Like, right,
1: right. exactly. Um, and so I do think we should, on both sides of the aisle, encourage our kids to be thinkers for themselves.
0: And that's why books um, like this are important.
1: And this is why books like this are important. And that's why we and, need to stop
0: banning fucking books. Let to stop them read.
1: Banning books. <laughs> and in the To Kill a episode, we talked about how you could present two books Um that would give the same, like this would be a great unit doing to yes. kill a mockingbird and all American boys together or to kill a mockingbird and the hate you give. I think you'd get more flack from parents about the hate you give because there's a lot more cursing in it. Like it is definitely more grungy um, yeah. where this one isn't as grungy. But um, I feel like the violence in this is pretty intense. I, that, but it's only happened to that one scene, and right uh the hate you give has violence throughout the whole thing gotcha. <laughs> it's, the whole thing has violence in it. Um, I love that book, like i said it's it's definitely a favorite of mine um but uh, I think that this one would make a good uh unit um a comparison contrast unit, and you could talk about about what it means, you know on both sides of the uh not political spectrum, but I mean. You know, the dichotomy between being a person of color and being a person who's white. Um, Right. So, um, anything else you want to add, Molly? No. This episode was a downer, but, I mean, it has to be. I, I actually think, though... Even though we don't have, like, the witty banter that we sometimes have, like, I feel like this episode was important.
0: Uh, Agreed, Um, 100%. And, and, um, uh, guys, we will get back to our normal stuff, but this stuff is important, too.
1: Maybe we should just not let April pick books anymore. No!
0: This was important, April. And I loved the... I I am glad I read this book. I am glad this was on the list, and I Mm -hmm. want everyone to read it and i think you need to read it with your teens and your tweens and
1: i think it'd be a good one for you to add into your curriculum with piper this year
0: um i actually am gonna give it to her after we're done with um, our
1: body yeah. and covering that shit so yeah. <laughs> so next week we are reading another kind of a downer of a book we are reading 13 reasons, reasons why, why by jay asher this is a more uh,
0: pop culture book though
1: yeah so uh we often cover books that have been made into film or TV and all American boys is not one of those, but this one was made into a Netflix series. I have a lot of feelings on the Netflix series. Same, um, But uh, 13 reasons why will be next week with Jay Asher by Jay Asher. Um, and uh, that will be, that will be is that our last band Band book is it is and then we go that, right into frankenstein yeah so we'll wrap up band books week next week our band books month next week and then we will jump into our spooky reads which molly will host and our first one is frankenstein um which obviously horror classic so definitely it is definitely Mary get Shelley. That read. um All right, so Molly, I love you. I love you. Thanks for joining us, besties. Yes, thanks for sticking with us. Um, We, I've really enjoyed the feedback we're getting, so please keep that coming. Oh, Um, also, uh,
0: I think we're gonna do two episodes for Harry Potter gang.
1: (laughs) I am about halfway through the Half Blood Prince. I think this is probably one of the worst. Like, it's got to, I, I hope it picks up at some point. Man, this book is awful. <laughs> um, it's still not as bad as the first one, but oh nope. my gosh.
0: Oh, April. I love you. Besties, uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. All the things. Do the things. We'll see you guys next week.
1: Yes. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye thank you for joining us on Book Besties. Don't forget to like and subscribe. The views discussed here are those of Molly and April, not those of anyone else. Today's book was All American Boys by Jason Reynolds and Brendan Keeley. Your book besties are Molly Biggs and April Watkins, editing by Thomas Watkins, and music is Sweet, Sweet, Sleep Sweetly by Prigida. Don't forget to follow book besties on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you would like to contact the book besties, please email us at bookbestiespod at gmail.com.